0: Look at verse 11. Really important verse. As they heard these things, well, what things? So Jesus is just talking about Zacchaeus. So he's in Jericho. Zacchaeus is, a you know, if you grew up in church, he's the wee little man who climbs the tree. Remember, he wants to see the Lord. That's kind of the heart of what, what we're after. We want to see him. So Zacchaeus is like, I'm going to do anything I can, even if it means i got to climb the tree to see him. And he sees Everyone in that, in that environment hates that guy. Jesus is like, I'm coming to his house. And he talks about, I'm for you. I know you're broken, but I'm for you. I want to come into your life, and I want to do something that you can't do for you. And it transforms his life. And Jesus closes this sentence. He's like, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So now watch this. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable for two reasons. Because he was near Jerusalem. So he's like, we can't go there And then number two, and because they suppose that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. There's a perspective they have that he needs to just look them in the eyes and smile and go, I think you need to get my perspective on what's going on right now. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I like to tell people how I relate to God. And so when I'm in the Bible... I tell him what I appreciate. So if you want to borrow my friend, like how I relate, I mean, everyone's different. So I was reading this, and I just, I remember I stopped, and I turned, and I said to him, I really like this about you. I said, thank you. It's like they needed to hear something from him before, because they're following him. They're all in. And he makes the initiative to change the perspective it's, it's, it's a big deal to him. He goes out of his way to pause us to ensure we have his perspective, his perspective. And and one of the things I just want to share with you is don't let that create fear. Like, oh, man, did I am I going to miss it? How am I going to hear it? How do I get his perspective? He knows the journey you're on with him. He knows how he's going to speak to you. But he wants you to know he's a person you can follow. Let, let me say it this way, because... If, if you've grown up in any religion or even in the church, there's always like a text that you kind of base your, your you know, well-being and religious you know, stuff on. In the Bible, we have a living word that points us to a real person who rose from dead. So let me, let me just talk to you about relationships and how we navigate Scripture in our walk with Jesus because he's really alive. And we've been talking about keeping our eyes on him. So here's an example. In the Bible, in Proverbs, <laughs> it says this. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. So do not answer a fool. The next verse says this. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Well, which one is it? Is it do I answer the fool or do I not? And the answer is, you, you'll know in relationally what God's doing with you. There'll be a perspective, God, with this person, do you want me to speak? It's, it's relational. Okay, here, here's another one. because it It's really important that you see this. In the New Testament, Jesus says, go into all the world. And then in Acts, the Holy Spirit, who's God, tells Paul, don't go to Asia, who, which is all the world. What, what, what's the point? Here's the point. It's really, really, really important. Jesus is a real person. Scripture points us to everything we need for life and godliness within the context of following a real person in real time. Right. You're following a real person. Right. If scripture becomes only policy, you've missed what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. Right. Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you hope in them, in the policies, the methods, you'll have eternal life. He's like, they, they're pointing to a living person who you will know and begin to hear and recognize oh that's Jesus because I know his word but living a lifestyle of friendship and trust requires you're close to him it requires that you keep coming in these rooms it requires that what you just experienced in worship that is a recognize he was here he is here but he was wanting to do something with you and in you that was very personal he takes you very personal and he's so excited about you he really is he sees the stuff that's going on in your life. So being close to him is learning what he's like in the word, which guides the heart so that when it's time to change perspective, you hear him. So I'm going to give you a little quick example. I, I have a friend. He's like, a you know, one of the dads who I got four kids. so I dropped them off at school. And one of the dads I often hang out with, uh, he's not, he would call himself not a Christian, but he's really close and he, he has faith and trust. We keep talking. He's always fascinated with my stories. I don't know. If I would tell him stories about faith and taking risks, and he's always fascinated about it. So so he he came to me, like, this week, and he said, hey, man, like, uh, I asked him, what because we our, our kids hang out. So I said, what are you doing this weekend? He's like, oh, man, he's a pilot, so he has to fly for a private jet guy. And he's like, oh, man, you know, my boss wants to go to San Diego. I'm going to not be with the family. and.'" And I was like, oh, man, you love being with your family. He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know what to do. I think I need to, like, draw the boundary. And, you know, I'm, it's not worth the money. I want to be home with my family. And I was like, hmm. I said, I have a prayer experiment for you. He's like, okay. I said, uh, why don't you ask God what his perspective is? What do you think? Ask him what you think. What he, yeah, ask him about it. And he's like, well, okay. You know, so I'm like, I'm thinking, Come on. And so that night, he's putting his you know, son to bed, and he does it. He's like, okay, God. He's like, what's your perspective? Should I fly? Because here's what I said to him. I said, you might ask him one weekend, and you're probably supposed to fly. But the next weekend, you could ask him, God, what's your perspective? And you might hear, I want you to stay home. Does that make sense? Because he's a person. I'm trying to just give you an illustration of a person. So he's like, okay. So he asks. And he's very faint, you know, he sees a picture of him making breakfast. And he's like, Oh, you know, we all do the whole thing. Well, what if that's me? And is that, you know, is there a verse that says you make breakfast? You know? And but he kind of goes, you know what, I'm gonna risk. So he calls his boss, thinking there's no other pilots, it's not gonna work out. He calls his boss, and his boss is like, Yeah, that's totally fine. (laughs) And he could not wait to find me. He's like, man, I asked God's perspective. I I, I say that because that's a small thing, but there's going to be tons of times in your life where you're a little confused. What is Jesus doing? Jesus, I thought we were together. I thought we were going. I was really, really close. And things do not seem to be going the way I think they're going. And oftentimes, he wants to show us his perspective. And I appreciate that about him. But sometimes it takes the initiative to go, God, what do you think? Okay? Okay? So he, right here with his followers, he slows down to go, I'm going to tell them what's going on. Okay. That was fun. Um, let's read. Have we read it yet? It's like the second service. We haven't read it yet, have we? The whole parable? We haven't read the whole thing. Okay. All right. You guys stay with me. Um, let's, read let's read it. Let's read it. Let's read it. Verse 11. As as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So here's, this, here's the parable. He said, therefore, a noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. A noble man's like a prince, like high order. So he goes into a far country to get his kingdom. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus, that's like a sum of money, about three months' salary. And he said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. Now listen, none of the disciples have seen what's happened yet. Have have seen the crowd say crucify him. So he's telling them a parable. This is, there's a nobleman going to get his kingdom. Everyone doesn't want them. They're going to remember that. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered those servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, you're mina? it's made ten, mina more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And a second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you're to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I I kept laid away in a handkerchief. You know, I was afraid of you because you're, you're a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sell. Why then did you not put money in the bank at my coming? I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten. I tell you that to everyone who has more, more will be given but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And when he had said these things, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. He had to say that, and now he can go. They're going to be be chewing on that sandwich the whole way as he's going in. And here's what I love about this moment. He sees what's inside them. He sees their desire to see Jesus, his love, the way he would rule as king. They're like, finally, everyone who's made me feel life and whole is going to be in the place of leadership. No more room. And they're just, you can just feel it. They're like, we're so close. This is our expectation. He's going to be king. He would say all these things. And and Jesus doesn't say, hey, what you want, the ten cities. Authority with me to reign as I do with you. It's not wrong. It's just not my timing for how the kingdom of God is going to come. What they want with him isn't what needs adjustment. That's really important. What they want with him because there's some things in you that you have dreams with him. There's certain things that he has sparked in you and you're like, I thought we wanted this together. The adjustment was the way it will come, as they steward, not all at once, but little by little. So, oftentimes the parables, they have this one point. If you were like, James, what's the one point? What do you think this parable is about? It's all in what Jesus says to those who did something with what he gave them. It's in this word faithful. The word faithful, it means reliable. It, it, it speaks to the inner working. I'm going to trust you with something because you're trustworthy. It's not in the transaction of how much you came into. It's a, I can trust you with my stuff. And, and, and it's the heart and the pleasure of the father or of the, of the, of the king here to give him his stuff. That they believe me. For they believe I'm coming back. They want to see it again. They want. They know it's going to be a stewardship game. And I, I you know, I want to say this because there's times in my walk with him where I feel like he's really fun. <laughs> he is. Like when I'm going to pray for someone, and even if it's intense, I'll come out of a really like, like intense meeting, and I'll go, "God, that was fun," because I felt His love. And and. And I get there's times where following Jesus, it does cost. There's stretching, there's, there's the pain, there's the releasing. You know, Jesus is about to tell these, these brothers, he's going to say, uh, in this life you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But he tells them, you will have this. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Expect it. And yet, there's something I felt in, in this king and in Jesus's smile when he's telling the disciples, I picture him smiling and talking about that day when they're going to see him face to face and they're going to see the smile. You did really great with my stuff. And what I found so beautiful in that moment is, is it really helps when we believe that what we've been given matters. Who he is in you what he has and what he wants to be in and through you, it, it's so powerful. He's like, he's like, it's so amazing to God what you have, what he's given you. He's like, let's double it. <laughs> you, let's make more, make more. He's like, whatever you encounter, what you encountered just you know minutes ago and what you're encountering right now, he wants to see that lived out, worked out in your next lunch meeting. That love you felt, you're going to be like, hey, God, we're meeting this person today because that love that you gave me, can we do that again? It's meant to be replicated. It's meant to be taken into your world. You're meant to take into every industry you're in, your art, your music. It's meant to be taken into your life with him. What he's given you is meant to be multiplied, not in a transaction way, but in a way where you go, oh, my God, this is so good. I got to see more. I want more. I want more. There's a hunger in this. It's so important that in this moment, you really, really settle in your heart. What you get to invest and be faithful for is him. You know, and and I'll say this way. (laughs) If Jesus is in you, okay, you are not ordinary. Because he's not ordinary. And he's always up to something. And if he's in you, you're not boring. OK? Okay, turn to the person next to you and be, like, you're not bored, you might look bored, but you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not bored. OK? James is not boring, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but you've got to settle this in your heart. Being faithful to Jesus is the best life you could live. Wanting to get. The stewardship of, of wanting to know, okay, King's coming back. I can't wait. I got so much good, good of, of his stuff. I want to see more. I want to see more. I want to see more. There's an excitement in his heart for stewardship. This isn't like, he's not like, oh, guys, it's going to be a long time. It's, no, he's like, I cannot wait to see the little sheep she carries with me. It's like that grace moment that you had with one of your friends that you were arguing with, your roommate. And you responded in that moment with his help, and you all of a sudden felt forgiveness and love and you gave it? That's you stewarding him in you. It's like, oh, I had a cupboard full of grace. Well, well, there's extra grace. You're like, look in the cupboard. I didn't know I had so much grace. It's crazy. You know why? Because the last time you needed grace, you used it. Last time you were driving and there was like impatience and anger and you you were together going, God, what do you feel like in this moment? I'm going to give you peace. Okay, then you start praying for the person. Gonna bless you with peace. Next time you're in a crazy thing with your sibling, you're gonna be like, "Oh, there's a lot of peace." This so Holy Spirit, feeding is like all of it. Just empty it. it. But He's multiplying in you. You're faithful to give a word. You're faithful to give a gift. You're faithful to say on Instagram something that might offend other people, but God told you to speak something. He is in the business of multiplying Himself in you. He loves the stuff in you because it's his. And he's like, "Mm, let's double it, triple it, come on. And he liked that he gave it to you. He does. He really likes that he gave it to you. His faithfulness is himself in you being faithful. He's going to basically kind of call you over. And he's going to say, hey, I love what we did together. And you have to know this. We can't give what we don't have. You're not called to steward 10 minus when you only me in five. But you're called to go, God, what have you given me that you want to multiply? How much of you in me are you wanting to move here? You're not responsible for the next one. And the king won't hold you responsible for what he didn't give you. Do you know what he's deposited in you? i got to show you this verse. One of the most important aspects of you knowing who you are is who, who is in you at the same time. So let me say it this way. So in Colossians, Paul uses a really fun theological language. He says this. If then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, so if you're not a Christian, let me just explain something to you. When Jesus came... He claimed to be God. Not only did he claim to be God, but it was written all throughout history, historical documents, that, that, that the God of Israel, that everything was pointing to, was going to come one day and redeem humanity. And so what we believe is when Jesus went to the cross, he died in your place for your sin. In, in other words, the Father saw you, and he put all your sin on Jesus. Like, but he did, and it was personal to Jesus. And your judgment day happened on the cross, Killed. He killed off your sin. There isn't a sin that He will see that hasn't been killed off or judged. He will not rejudge you for a sin that Jesus died for. It's paid in full. All your sin. He's not going to look at you one day and go, ah, but there was one thing you missed, Jesus. No. It's finished. He died. You're a son and daughter redeemed. And He gives you not only forgiveness and a removal but he killed off the dead, old, sinful person so that you're new. And so when you believe in Jesus, you believe in his death, but you believe he rose victorious. When he rose from death, it meant that it was paid. It meant that it's all true. It meant everything's gonna change. The resurrection is the most powerful, historical, clinging moment you have. If it happened, you have to follow everything he says. If it didn't happen, you don't really have to care what I'm saying. Everything hinges on the resurrection. And when you believe he rose, guess what? You become new. So if, you, if, if you're here with, like, someone who's not a Christian, no, no wait. If you're not a Christian and, you're, and you, you know, you meet someone who is here who's a Christian and they weren't a Christian and you knew them before, that's why they're so different. You're like, dude, I think the preacher's right. And some of you died. <laughs> it did. I died. And I'm new now. It's crazy. Hmm. Okay, now that I've preached a whole different sermon within the sermon, look at the verse. It'll make sense to you now. If then you've been raised with Christ, he's like, you're new. Seek, seek. Right? If you've been with us for any of these last few weeks, it's keep, focused. do you see him? Seek the things that are above. Why? Well, Jesus is up there where Christ is. What, do you, what are you seeking? Christ and what he thinks and what he's doing. Seated. Where is he? He's at the right hand of God. This is so interesting. Watch this. He's like, seek. And then he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Why? For you have died. And your life is, this is the best, it's hidden. Who you are is hidden. Where? With. Who is your life? Okay, think of the Parable. When the king comes back, when he gets back, he's your life. When he returns, you also will appear with him. Put it another way, what you're stewarding is Jesus' life in you. So you know when Jesus says, if you give someone a cup of water. He does. If you haven't read this, there's a part where he says, if you give someone a cup of water in my name, it's like you're giving it to me because he's doing it. Christ who is your life. When you have a story like a testimony and you share your testimony, it's not your story. It's Jesus. You're giving them Jesus in your story. That's why Paul in Acts, whenever he preaches in front of the kings, he just goes back to what Jesus did because his testimony carried Jesus. Jesus. He was just giving them the presence you carry and steward the very person who loves to be in doing these things with you so his gifts are not separate from him he is in himself in those gifts so when you bring mercy it's him it's him we steward him stay with me for a moment i had a really interesting listening prayer this week so if you're a preacher oftentimes things happen in your life that you kind of know, I feel like this is part of what God wants me to share because what he's doing in me, I'm going to share because I'm a part of them. So one of the questions I used to ask, I haven't asked in a long time, but I did this week is I asked him, Father, is there anything in my week that you want me to bring up or share? And this was so interesting. Sometimes I don't hear, but I heard something in my mind. It sounds like a conscious thought. It's sweet. God does speak in different ways. But I hear this. Don't tell them about your week. Tell them about mine. <laughs> I loved it. I felt like I got slapped with like a wet fish, but I was like, "Yeah, you know, it's not about me." But then I sat in there, and I, you know, I'm a little awkward with Jesus. He likes that, I think. But um, I, I literally asked him. <laughs> I did. I said, "Okay, tell him about your week." I was like, "How was your week?" It's like we're like saving everyone, like you know, probably kicking Satan out of people, and and then and then it hit me. The focus. We steward his activity. His stuff is him in us doing what Jesus is guiding us to do. Focusing on what Jesus is doing this week is stewarding. Focusing on what Jesus is doing. How's Jesus' is weak in me? Focusing on what Jesus is doing at, as you're making breakfast is stewarding. Focusing on what Jesus is doing in your marriage is stewarding. Focusing on what Jesus is doing at in, in a work meeting, in, in a classroom, focusing on what Jesus is doing. As you're designing, what is Jesus doing in this design? But all of a sudden, your life begins to be like the stewards who are kind of going, I can't wait for the king to come back. They're so attentive because the stuff that they're doing, they're doing with the king's stuff. And when you have Jesus in you, he's excited to steward with you. And so, I mean, I know this sounds cheesy, but if you're working like construction, you're like, Jesus, you got to meet these guys. Like you're doing this with them. And you're stewarding. What's he doing this week in you? That's the question. And I loved the switch. It was such a fun switch. I feel like there's there's something that's really on his heart this morning. And I'll say two things. One. One of the thoughts I've had with him that's really helped me stay here, stay in this parable, because I was walking, and I just said it out loud. I said, I can't wait to have coffee with you. That was an interesting sentence because it it was implying he's a real person I'm going to sit down with. And then I said to him, I can't wait to, to ask you questions like, hey, do you remember when we did this? And it made it really, really personable. It made me think I'm going to give an account. That's what I had. I wasn't coffee now. It was when I, when my time is done, I can't wait to meet him in the new heavens and new earth and go, we're going to have coffee. And we're going to go, remember when we did this? It was we. And that's how he feels right now in this room. The we. The we. Stewardship isn't transactional. It's it's not about do this, then then I'll do that. It's relational every time. Because even Jesus himself said to me, many will say to me on that day, speaking of judgment, by the way, Jesus spoke more about the day of giving an account. You will give an account. Now, if you're a believer and you believe in Jesus' death, the first thing you're going to know in that moment was all the judgment was paid, and you're loved. You're going to feel so loved. You're going to feel so much joy. You're going to see his face, but you still will give an account. There's cities. I mean, this is a parable, but there's, there's territory he's going to give you in year 3,000 from right today that's going to be really meaningful that you made decisions you did when you were 36. That's a really, That's a really strange thought, but it's more true to Jesus because he talks about it all the time. But he says this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do a bunch of stuff? So this parable is not saying, hey, just figure out what God wants you to do and just go do We're okay, run and kick out some demons and go. You, first of all, don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, but second, that's not the point. He's going to say, I didn't know you in it. You were just doing this stuff. I want you does he have you? Does he have you? And he, And he, here's what's amazing: um, he, knows, he knows what he's given you. And so um, there, there, there was a moment where my wife and I were on this journey of just we're, this like this we are going to trust him for everything. In, in a point because he's told us to. they like, don't work, don't do anything, don't ask for money, only receive what I give you. <sighs> okay, and so we had a really rough August. It was a rough August, and I was so desperate. I remember it was August 1st, and I was on this prayer walk, and I just said, God, I love this. I love friendship. I love what you're doing. I, you've done it. At that point, it was like eight months of him paying the rent and always providing, and I just... I said, I wouldn't trade this, but I said, it's, can we be done? Like, can we be done? And I said to him, like, hey, God, like, what's next? And you guys, it's the weirdest thing. Some of you are going to be like, what? But just follow me here. I hear Instagram. I'm like, what? Okay, now, I'm not on social media for all the right reasons where it's like, you know, I don't want to, like, trigger, like, any, you know, like, pride or, like, I don't want to follow. It's like all the, all the stuff why we get off social media. I never went on it because I didn't want to have any of that. And I hear Instagram, and I'm like, oh, no. And then I hear, end of September, and I hear, tell them about our radiant walk, which is like, be faithful with what I'm like with you, but publicly. And I'm thinking, "Mm, I just wrote it down on my phone. I was like, no, different opinion, different, day. I'm not going to do it. And I didn't, I literally forgot about it. And the last altars night was a worship night here, end of August, where I'm like face down at the back, and I hear Jesus gently say, ask him, someone in our community named Andrew, ask him to pray for you. I said, okay. I said, hey, Andrew, will you pray for me? He's like, okay. He's like, I'm just going to pray quietly, and I'm like, mm, okay, good. He's like, I hear the word ego. I'm like, cool, another wet fish. <laughs> um, I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, Does that, he was really actually, he was really like humble. He was like, it's probably for someone else. Probably not for you." I'm like, "No, it's for me." Um, I'm like, "God doesn't do that." <laughs> he's not like telling ego for someone else. It's for me. So I'm thinking, I don't know what he means, like the Lord. But I'm like, I know it's for me. So the next the next day, I'm out walking, and I said, "Okay, God, like I know we all have pride and ego." I said, "Will you please, like, speak to me?" And about ego, and I'm ready. Like, whatever you say next, like, I'll do anything. I hear Instagram. I'm like, what? And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, the reason why I'm not obeying him and sharing my friendship with him, what he's given me, the minus, is because I got so much in here I'm afraid of so much in here that I'm unaware that that is pride because I'm saying no. And then I hear this, and this is where we're going to move into just some worship. You guys can come on up. Then I hear this. I hear my name. I hear James. Now, again, it's not out loud. This is a conscious thought, but I'm in this faith dialogue with God, but I hear James, you have given me your yes. And he said, I love it. And then he did this, and then he said, But you haven't given, you haven't surrendered your no. And you know what he did? It was like he came in and he took the napkin and he said, Hey, you folded up this mina I gave you. You said no. There's something I'm calling you in to follow me in. And you've said, yes, here, here, and here. But there's an area of your life that I want to double. I want to multiply. I want to I move. And this is not only for me. This is for us as a community. This is for many of you. There's talents in you, stuff in you, that you have said, thinking, oh, I, I don't want to, to deal with that. I don't want to deal with, oh, like, people liking and all that. It's not about you. You know what happened in that moment? Is the Lord brought to my mind some girls at a camp that we went to, and it was was like a fun Ethiopian camp in Winnipeg, Ryan and I ministered at, and I saw this worship leader who was feeling so touched by God at that camp, scrolling on Instagram. I saw her in a picture, scrolling on Instagram, and she was having a dark night of the soul, and God was filling her with faith. She was watching a story that I was doing. You're doing it for her is what he told me. This isn't about you. When I tell you to do something, you're stewarding me. You gotta obey, because I have someone in mind when you give me your no. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of you have got hurt, and you've, you've, you've folded up a napkin, and you got destiny on your life, and you're supposed to unwrap it today and say, God, you can have that. It's surrender time. These stewards are pictures of the kingdom of the people who are following him. And every parable is a warning. It's like, do you have ears to hear? Let him hear. And I feel like all of you are hearing right now. And so right now is the day you got to respond. Don't be the last steward. Just so you know, he loves you so much like he did me to open up the napkin and say, you've said no here. You need to say yes to following him. And you just surrender your no. That's hard. But he wants to do it with you. Because if he's doing that right now, he's already doing it. You're stewarding the movement. You're in this room, by the way, you're here because he has you here. You're like, this was my idea. Mm Mm-mm.